Ahoy, and welcome to the Open Journal Blogcast. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related. That includes illness, wellness, stigma and support, and most importantly some of your very own personal stories. We're going to be covering projects, campaigns, education, starting conversations, and looking at some of the tools that support our well-being as well. I'm Mike, and while I'm being mindfully mindless, hopefully myself and my amazing guests will be able to show you you're not alone out there. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so Mm. they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realize how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, And then they want to talk about it. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Open Journal and to episode 203. Uh, It's it's December. We're, We're into winter now. It feels like we've kind of been there already for a while. The... The whole kind of getting darker and getting colder thing feels like that's already been underway. But yes, we are we are into winter, um, and I think it's uh, I guess it's a time for reflection. I think that ties in quite nicely to last week's episode where we had the online influence awards and we were looking back at some of the winners and the different types of content that was celebrated. So hopefully, if you were listening in last week, you've had an opportunity to maybe go away and check out some of those winners, some of those bloggers, uh, some of the content creators that are covered, maybe even Vulia themselves. Um, I think it's just, yeah, a really nice time to reflect back on uh, kind of what's been achieved this year during a very difficult year. I think content creation online has been a hugely important thing. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed last week's episode. This week, uh, we have a returning guest. Jojo is back with us today and it was another amazing conversation. Um, so we tried to follow up on our discussion from about a month ago, I want to say, around that sort of amount of time. Um, but it was really great to, to sit down and kind of follow up with some of the talking points I think we either started to raise or didn't really get to last time. Um, so today we're going to be talking about kind of live streaming and talking about mental health and how that um, experience has been for Jojo. Um, also what mental health looks like when we're talking about mental health and trauma and we spoke about that in a couple of different ways and also the kind of the importance of reflecting on mental health and race um and i think that in amongst a few other things so each of those kind of talking points we we had a brief conversation about and again as always hopefully this is an opportunity for you to hear to listen in be part of our conversation and it's one you can take away as well and and have the conversation with 
um, your own support network and, and maybe people you know and you don't have to agree with the things we say there's a lot of personal opinion in there um, but I hope you enjoy being part of of our conversation and listening into to some of those talking points so I'm gonna very quickly uh, put you into the kind of the recording from that episode um, but as always if you'd like to come onto the podcast yourself in the future you can find information over at openjournalbc.com um, and I think we're I think I'm booking in guests for sort of March April time at the moment so a few months ahead uh, so if you are interested in coming on the podcast next year uh, it will be ace to have you as part of of the kind of the team of guests there's been I think we I, I, I feel like I've said it for a while now we're around a hundred guests um, so there's a, an awesome uh, range of people that have come on and been part of the podcast and I want to say a huge thank you to everyone including Jojo today uh, for coming on sharing their stories and their insights I think it's absolutely amazing we're able to do that as part of this kind of uh, audio platform so yeah I hope you enjoy the episode here's this week's conversation Jojo it's really nice to, to sit down and, and have a chat again uh, it's it's really nice to, to be able to do that quite quickly after last time so thank you for kind of coming back and, and taking a slot um, it's there's a few points I think we kind of started to talk about or maybe didn't even get to um, last time I think it was just such an enjoyable conversation (laughs) it was probably the uh, yeah I don't know if if I'd describe it as productive but it was a very enjoyable (laughs) conversation (laughs) Um, so how have you been in the couple of weeks since what's been going on for you I have been doing peachy Um, everything has been you know Despite what's going on in the world, everything has been going. It's been going good. I can't complain. So I am happy to be back again. I enjoyed our conversation. And this time I promise to answer all the questions (laughs) and stay focused. (laughs) I'm sure we'll drift. I think that's that's when the best stuff happens. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, one of the the things that we kind of mentioned coming back to is I think possibly towards the end of our conversation last time we mentioned that you you usually live streaming on facebook and there's kind of regular conversation and interaction with people um and i think it's it's a it's a really interesting platform to to have to talk to people i know i think there have been one or two guests in the past that have mentioned doing kind of live streams and we kind of see the growth of stuff that's on facebook youtube and twitch and a range of different places Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of mental health can be a really difficult thing to talk about sometimes. I was just wondering kind of what your experience has been like having those live conversations, um, kind mm. of talking, but also having an audience there as well. It has been, um, I've been doing this for three years. So it's called the Fearless Morning Show. And we are on weekdays at 7.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here in the U.S. And it has been it has really been amazing and so one of the things we talk about um, i always say is confessions and conversations um with jojo and so i will always use my life for an example and i tell people that it's life after crazy and so doing this and it's usually between 30 minutes to 45 where i share something either i have overcome i'm struggling with i'm working through And I go through that and I just share my thoughts and my feelings and what I've learned on this journey. Um, 
and it's it's gotten to the point now where of course there's more viewers and people are chiming in more you know just like yeah me too or i think that way or i felt that way especially when it comes to being i'm the odd duck in the family so being the odd odd man out in the family or you know just thinking differently wanting differently and what that looks like and you know how are we living in a pandemic and still you know how do you find the bright spot in that and what does that look like and so we walk through you know just some tips that you can use every day there's always a quote of the day there's always a thought of the day um and so that you know there's a theme to to what to what i do and you know we just we just walk it out and talk it out and i, I use myself as an example so i tell people you can ask me anything. I'm not ashamed. I will answer any and every question. I've heard them all. And um, I just make it a safe space for people to come and, you know, just be at ease with themselves. Mm. I think you touched on something. That, uh, I don't know. It makes me think about it in terms of kind of your your family background of being part of a, a kind of a large family network. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that has maybe kind of helped? Because I think we spoke in the past about how that led to like uh, developing or needing to develop certain communication skills. Oh, yes. Um, oh. I imagine that's probably fed into, I guess, your ability to host and mm-hmm. to hold the attention of, <laughs> of people <laughs> in, okay, in that yeah. way. <laughs> I just, um, yeah, I think it's it's not a given that that, that is something that everyone is just going <laughs> to take to. Um, so I just wonder if some of those skills have come in kind oh, of absolutely. particularly useful. I grew up in a very loud home. Uh, my father insisted that I learn how to wrestle. So I would wrestle with all my brothers. And he insisted that I play football. I played football. I played every sport. I popped all the wheelies on the bicycle. I had all the latest bikes. I climbed the trees. I'd done all the things, boy. Like there was no difference between me and the boys. And there was there was 18 of us. And even though we all may not have lived in the same home at the same time, we all grew up together. And if you wanted to be heard, you had to be loud. And you had to be entertaining at the same time. And so that definitely um, plays a part with me, you know, doing the morning show and been doing it for, you know, for the, like I said, for the past three years, I definitely hone in on those skills I learned as a kid um, because I'm, I don't really necessarily need a microphone to be loud because I screamed. <laughs> My girls are like, I mean, why are you screaming? I don't know. It's just how I, I was raised to yell and scream because I grew up around boys. And so uh, it definitely it comes into play and it helps. So that that's a good thing. Yeah, I think I think yes, I can imagine that that coming across. I think that that would yeah, I can see that yeah. and how that would be helpful. I wonder if, given you mentioned there, kind of you you've done it for a number of years now and you've got that experience and you've seen, hopefully, kind of the the growth in awareness and to some extent education of people around. Mm-hmm mental health mm-hmm. um but I suppose what are your insights around not necessarily either of those separately but those things together so kind of the online platform of of ble- being live but also of talking about mental health how has that changed in the last couple of years from your point of view uh, it has been a lot easier um because again I'm a black woman and in here in the U.S. or any black family, forget the U.S., wherever you are, mental health is not something you talk about. Mm-hmm. We are told you're strong, 
you suck it up, you deal with it, you pray about it. You know, they give you all these cliche things to do and but you're still left with a problem and you're like, okay, but yeah, but I did all that, but I still have a problem. Like I Mm -hmm. prayed, I've done all the things and there's still a problem. And they nobody wants to address that. Nobody wants to talk about that. And so in the beginning, it was hard because people are like, uh, why are you telling your business, first of all? Number two, you're telling too much of it because I'm just very transparent because I'm just a firm believer. If I can tell my story, who will help? And it helps one sister, one man, whoever. They can take it back and share it with their family. And then we can change their community and we can change one person at a time. It's that simple. But it starts with me. So that means I've got to be transparent in everything that I tell, which has made it easier for some of the listeners who have you know, come back and say, hey, I finally had this conversation with myself because we got to have it with ourselves before we have it with anybody else. Um, I had, you know, this conversation with myself, like my expectations or what I'm struggling with, what are my frustrations? And then I'm able to articulate it, you know, to my family if need be or to other people. Um, And so it it has made it easier, I think, uh, for other people to accept and to hear when they see somebody like them to to talk about it or to know that they're because like everybody, we want to know that we're not alone in this way of thinking and feeling like I can't be the only one that thinks this way. And, you know, I just provide my story to let them know, no, you're, you're not the only one that has these crazy thoughts. But let me tell you how we can get past them or how to use them to the best of your to the best of your ability. Yeah, no, I think that's a really important point you pick up, and it's it's definitely something that I think I feel isn't spoken about enough. Is when we talk about kind of the the different sort of support mm-hmm. um, that we have for for people from different backgrounds, from different mm-hmm. races, um, to some extent different genders. Although I think that is very much leveling out at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really hard one because I I would say from from my experience I live in a a, a mostly white populated area. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had a look because we were doing some stuff um, at work around our our equality, mm-hmm. and in our area we're something like ninety between ninety three and ninety four percent white. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, got, I was talking through someone with this, and I was talking about kind of my personal opinion of like we need to do more to to make services feel like they're accessible to people Mm -hmm. it's all very well to say they are and anyone can come um I said but we need to do a bit more and then they were sort of talking about um well it's important you you need to recognize like if 93 percent or whatever of of your population are white that's Mm -hmm. the demographic you need to appeal to and it kind of made me think about the I don't know like the I guess it comes back to the purpose of some of the conversations we're having mm-hmm. of if there if there is such a high percentage of a particular population you don't necessarily need to appeal to those people right. because they're already coming by <laughs> default like it, it's kind of a given like they're gonna they are gonna see white people delivering their services they're gonna see white people in the offices that we work in um and there will be white people in like some of the promotional stuff we do because most of our staff are white mm. you don't need to worry about kind of that inclusion <laughs> yeah it's just a strange I, I understood it in uh in the guise of I think people talk about representation I suppose that means different things to different people 
So they were talking about, well, if your population is 93% white, then your representation should be 93% white, mm-hmm. um, which is a po- is a point of view, and I can I can understand that. Yeah. But I think it's looking at okay, representation is an indication of something. It doesn't have to be the be all and end all. Actually, it's drawing what's for me. It's so much of what I do is what's the purpose of this particular conversation. Mm-hmm um and I just yeah I think it's a missed thing I think sometimes people have got stuck on that idea of representation of it needs to be included but let's make it accurate so if if there's a small minority of a particular group of people we only need a small minority of them within our workforce or within the content we produce or within whatever um rather than no we just need to make sure all of these people are included and then if there is a smaller minority, we need to work on how we can increase that and make that a bit more yes. fair or a bit more accessible. Yes. That seems to have got, in my personal view, that seems to have got a little bit lost with the idea of uh-huh. there just needs to be something for these people. Yeah, exactly. And I just, for me, that doesn't hit the target. But I don't know, like I say, that's from a white person in a predominantly white populated area right. um, of thinking, I know that services are um available yeah available i know they're available but i don't i get the impression they're not really accessible um and i think that's something that for the most part i don't really see being spoken about and i would say i especially don't see it being spoken about by white people um but i don't know that's kind of my insights i don't know if you feel services are accessible oh uh and thank you for bringing that up and uh two points i don't think it is but just the word representation Mm. and um and i like you said there's two ways of looking at it because most people look at the word representation meaning i just want to show you an example of period Mm. it doesn't matter if it's black white orange green or purple i showed you an example that's a representation of what is needed but for some people, they need that representation to be in a color that they can understand. So I can't, my therapist is a black lady. I can't, it, I will probably have a different conversation with a white lady therapist than I would a black, because then I have to change my language so that she would be able to understand the words that that are coming out of my mouth. Not saying that I speak a different language, but you know how when you're with your your group of people, you speak a different way. So I may have slang with yeah. my therapist that she understands that another therapist may not. And then I have to do the back work of, well, this is what this word means. And this is why I say this. And, and in the black community, this is what this means. And if you're, you know, if your mother said this, then this means. And then there's a whole work that I have to do to educate my therapist just to bring her up to speed to communicate with me. And with, you know, another therapist, I may not necessarily have to do that. And so when we think about representation, I think we have to think about, you know, that there may be even be a language barrier. I have a whole Ph.D. And when I go sit down with my therapist, my Ph.D. goes out the window. (laughs) It has nothing to do with what I'm in there for. I am an angry person or frustrated or, you know, I'm mad. I don't want to use correct king's english i want to Mm. use double negatives and one of my majors is english (laughs) i want to say all the words that don't make sense 
And, you know, I want to be able to relax my language in order to do so. Mm. So I, I truly think, you know, representation is someone who looks like me, who may understand, you know, like the movie says, the words that are coming out of my mouth. So I don't have to then educate to say, OK, so this is what this means and this mm. is what this means. And I think it is getting to the point now where it's more acceptable in our community, um, it, at least with the people who are 30 and younger. Now, I'm 45, so 45 and older, not so much. You know, people look at you crazy like, what are you going to a therapist for? You want to tell them all your business? They don't need to know our business. You know, it's a whole thing you have to overcome. And so a lot of times people, you know, older will not seek out help because they don't want to deal with the stigma of what their family is going to tell them or say, oh, Jojo, you crazy. You've been through, you're going to a therapist or you have to, you know, do this and that. Well, no, that's not quite true. Um, and so then you have to fight that. Um, but I think it's becoming so much easier now uh, with, with the younger generation that it's almost becoming normal, you know, to, to have that to have that way of, of thinking yeah that's really in, it's really interesting that you mentioned kind of the the age demographics and how that can come into it because I think for me I would say probably up until the last year or two maybe um I would have always spoken in a way that was very much like a um I don't want to say I don't care but mm -hmm. kind of I don't care I don't think it matters what someone's background is a person mm -hmm. is a person mm -hmm. and I think in the last year or so I would say while I still believe that there's mm -hmm. also an element of acknowledging that is like we live in this idealized place where everyone is treated as we view them <laughs> And there's a, there has to be a little bit of like, OK, that's fine to think that or I think it's fine to think that. Yes. Um, and wouldn't that be lovely if we all thought that? But yes. the reality is that isn't how everyone thinks. That's not how everyone's treated. Um, and you need to take that into account when you're saying, oh, we should do this, but we need to do this for everyone equally. Well, that's not really fair because like th this group of people have been treated more than equal for a period right. of time and other groups haven't so if you suddenly come in and say we're just now going to treat all of you equally they're not all coming in at the same starting point they've not all had the same um support or access or a range of different things mm -hmm. so i think for me it's been a little bit more of a, a, a recalibration i guess of thinking what you're imagining is an ideal situation and that's great and yes that would be lovely mm -hmm. but that isn't actually the world that you live in <laughs> right now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yes or in the distant future I feel yeah. but right. um I yeah I think that has been a bit more of a um I think that's been more of an education and I think we come back to this idea of the I, I don't know for me the difference between awareness and education and we often speak about it or I speak about it in regards to mental health I think people are more than aware now um, but their education is often fairly low yeah. and I think that's maybe where I would say I sort of am with with some of the regards to um, not just race but particularly maybe things around disability mm -hmm. of I'm very aware that some people are quite disadvantaged um, around access mm -hmm. but I wouldn't necessarily 
I definitely well yeah no I wouldn't say I'm educated on those things because a lot of it is from it's from conversations or it's from hearsay it's not from I've been kind of I don't know air quotes taught this um and I think that's a really important thing as well to acknowledge is that we're all going to be making up our own minds on how accessible these services are or why we should be encouraging someone to access a service and recognize different responses and Mm -hmm. I think I I would make I would make the assumption now that a lot of the things that we talk about with older white people um, of this historical side of mental health of Mm -hmm. being concerned about kind of being locked up or um, being seen as kind of crazy or other names um, by family members or friends I think I would now make the assumption that that is much more the case for a Mm -hmm. lot of people that aren't white because Mm -hmm. there's so much more um, kind of built up around their uh their identity and trying to protect mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. um but i don't know again we're going to have different viewpoints anyway but does that sound accurate do you think yeah. that, that would kind of be similar to your point of view oh absolutely and um and you have to realize like you said the older and they were just so ostracized about everything if they were different you know they you know if they had any mental illness or if it was shown any kind of way, then, you know, the family talked about them or they were put aside because the family did not understand how to deal with them. And it comes back to what you said, the difference between awareness and education. And now it is the, you know, the education is the gap. We are aware, but, you know, you have to want to educate yourself. You know, we're all not going to learn all the things instantaneously. We're not going to be able to help all the people instantaneously, but I think we have to be willing to be uh, educated to help those who we can help and make the difference where, you know, wherever we can make the difference at. And that's, you know, that's a decision we have to make every day, Um, you know, even in my family or even, you know, when we're talking to our friends and family, educating them on this. And, And I'm a firm, so this is my personal belief. And this is what I call the confessions and conversations with Jojo. This is just my personal belief. And this is how I feel that a lot of times people say things are hereditary. Oh, well, you know, mental illness runs in her family and or diabetes or, you know, we say all of these things run in the family. In in the South, that means if your great grandmother had high blood pressure, then you likely are going to have high blood pressure. Well, if she was crazy, you're more likely to be crazy. And here's my belief that our belief system is just simply a series of thoughts that we have over and over and over again. And the reason why you make macaroni pie like your mother does it is because you've seen her make it a thousand times. And that is a belief that you've seen her practice every Thanksgiving, every Christmas. And so now it's your belief to make your macaroni pie that way. It's your belief to clean your home the way she cleans it because that's the belief that you saw. That's the thought process that you had every Saturday you cleaned the house. And you cleaned it with this. And the same way in our communities with our thought processes, we see the same thing and it becomes our belief system. And nobody is questioning our belief system up until now. Well, now they don't want you to question their belief system because it's been set forever. And so I don't think we have uh, a history of mental illness. I think we have a history of belief systems that nobody addressed or thought about 
or, you know, high blood pressure. You can throw in health. You can throw in education. Mm -hmm. All of it is simply a series of thoughts that we've had over and over and over again that have become our belief system. So if my belief system is simply a series of thoughts that I've had over and over and over again, can I not replace my thoughts? Can I insert a new thought? And so for the next 30 days, if I think a different thought, then do I not start to develop a different belief system and a different way of thinking and living? And for me, that has been the foundation for educating my family on mental health, educating my girls on, you know, you do not have to live this way or question why, what, who made this rule and who Mm -hmm. gave it to you and why did they give it to you? And does this rule serve you? And if it does not, it's okay to ask questions and make your own belief system, whatever it is for you, you know, in, in the black community, you were, you were raised that, you know, of course your character and everything is so important in that you do not question your mother and your father. You just do as you're told, but you know, to some extent I, I firmly agree with, but when it comes to things that do not serve me and has not served our family or our community for years, somebody needs to start asking questions. And I think we have to understand the power of our question one, Two, that, you know, you can have a new belief system. It just takes you adapting, you know, new thoughts and and starting to implement those and figuring that journey out for yourself. I Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's it's really interesting when you talk about kind of questioning a belief system and um, I suppose questioning your 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 values and your identity as part of that. And I think that particularly makes me think of um kind of times when when I've received treatment and looking back and thinking that at the time it it really didn't feel particularly helpful or useful Mm. not helpful (laughs) helpful no that's unfair to say it It didn't feel helpful it didn't feel particularly useful um it didn't feel like I was learning um however kind of sort of four to six months later Mm -hmm. it 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 did feel like it had been useful and it had been helpful and it had been educational. It just needed a period of time for those things to to happen. Yeah. And I don't know that I ever would have described it, it quite like that, but I suppose internally what I'm doing is questioning some of those values. Yes. Um, and questioning, um, is this something I... I do believe or I want to believe mm-hmm. are these actions I, I want to do I want to continue to do um, and I think that in itself yeah that takes uh, a lot of time um, and it, it's recognizing that we will all we all have different things that we are holding on to that we place our our identity around mm-hmm. um, but we won't all have the same we won't all have the same value on those Mm -hmm. things or they won't be as dangerous for us to change yes um and i think that's sometimes a a question that people get stuck up on um is i think it can be it can be really hard for i would say some men to change their identity to Mm -hmm. to question whether they are now kind of no longer the 
the provider within their family household or mm-hmm. uh, a relationship or a job has ended, that can be a huge upset to their identity, to their value yeah, system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost like we talk about it as if that's the only one that <laughs> I feel like I, I hate speaking down on like progression around men's mental health. It's so important. Um, but that seems to be happening and has happened for the last couple of years, which is great. But that kind of journey to realise like other people have these value systems as well. Like yes. you can have mums that lose their children and suddenly their identity is completely changed. And yet we don't really... I don't feel that that's really spoken about in the same way. And it's it's a very similar thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when you're you're talking about kind of those those questioning and the journey's taking a long time, I think that's mm-hmm. a, a really important kind of reflection yeah. to have. And we here. have to be careful. We have to be gentle with ourselves on this journey. I always say, give yourself some grace and some peace because you're figuring this out along the way. Nobody, this is your journey and you are, you know, you're walking it day by day. So you got to give yourself some grace and some peace. And one of the things that was the hardest thing for me, and you talked about men and, you know, of course our ego plays such a huge Mm -hmm. part of, of who we are, is that somewhere along the way, us changing challenges our self concept of ourselves. Every day we are challenging our self-concept of ourselves. So even if they're saying, hey, I think I've been depressed about this. Well, you're challenging your self-concept of yourself where, you know, black women don't get depressed. We don't have postpartum. We're strong. We do this. And so when we start to challenge the self-concept of ourselves, how we identify, how we see ourselves, who we are, what we stand on, that's a hard place to be internally. And I have to deal with oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I have postpartum. Oh, my family, you know, and you have all the stresses of life and you're dealing with that. It can become a dark and ugly place, but I'm a firm believer. That's where the battle is won in your mind. Either I'm going to continue to fight for my limitations or I'm going to start looking at other options for me to be limitless because sometimes, and I don't know if you've ever met people, they will argue for their limitations to the death. Like they will fight you. No, I can't do this. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that I cannot do this. And they will get mad and angry when you try to even introduce the possibility that they could have a different life. Cause there was like, no, I can't. And this is the way. And when we stop challenging our concept of ourselves and stop standing up for our limitations and, Give yourself some grace and peace. Be like, well, maybe Jojo, you can do this. If and I'm, I do things and just for today, um, just for today, just for this moment. This is what I'm going to do because we can get lost in, oh, one day and in the sweet by and by, you know, down the road, twenty years from. And for me, it was just I, I just need to make it from one second to the next. Mm. I don't need you to tell me what's going to happen tomorrow. I just need to make it. Can I just make it to lunchtime? Can you just tell me what to do to lunch? And so it is right there where we start to win the battle in our mind and, you know, challenge that self-concept of ourselves by giving ourselves some grace and peace that we are making the next right decision for ourselves, whatever it may be, you know, uh, and just allow yourself that space to grow inside of you so that you can make that decision. I think I feel like there's a lot of um, a lot of importance there on 
on the journey isn't there on Mm -hmm. knowing that these things are going to it's going to take time there will be you know an act of of faith that i'm doing this in the hope or in the intention that it will lead to change whatever kind of change that is um but also like you say that realization that the the kind of the most we can focus on is is today is Mm -hmm. kind of the actions that we can take here and now um and that yeah that i think there's a a lot of different ways to to think and interpret that and to to process those journeys i think it's so difficult when someone is in um a period of crisis to be able Mm -hmm. to have that viewpoint um and I think that's why I would say or one of the reasons why I would say I, I feel it's so important for people to talk about mental health, not necessarily all of the time, but all of the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> because um, like if you if you feel like you're doing OK and there's nothing really going on, like this is a really good time to to start to invest and start to pay attention and respect and and educate yourself around your own kind of mental health and well-being because once you're in that moment of crisis once you're in that cycle of of what's whatever's going on Mm -hmm. your ability to take in this information or the (laughs) resources that are nearby are just going to be non-existent Mm -hmm. um and i think we spoke last time and this time about a few different reasons why the there is a high likelihood of if you're starting to feel some symptoms of of kind of poor mental health of why someone might not come forward and and access support or feel that it's possible to do so um so making sure that more people everyone um is is as educated as possible i think is so important and um aware of the different ways that we can be affected by different things that this isn't mm-hmm. kind of that old that oh, well i'd like to say it was old-fashioned but probably up until the <laughs> 90s and early 2000s and yes. uh, maybe even longer that view of like the the person with a mental health problem is oh you can notice them really easily mm-hmm. it's basically the it's the equivalent of saying a disabled person is the one yeah. in the wheelchair <laughs> like it's, yeah. this is it they all look like this and it's always really <laughs> obvious yeah <laughs> um like yeah there are some people like that but there's a huge amount that aren't um and i think that kind of feeds into one of the other things that we were going to talk about is the idea of kind of trauma around mental health and the idea that there doesn't have to be necessarily the oh something has happened to me today and that now affects kind of what's going on it can be a period of time later Mm -hmm. um and again kind of reinforcing that idea that we we i don't know again it's personal opinions but i still feel that we are we leave people to that crisis we almost encourage it um before they access support and i think when there is an arguable awareness around different forms of trauma and how it can affect us surely that more than anything must show us the importance of of kind of getting people educated and speaking about it mm-hmm. because we've all had well we've all had childhoods mm-hmm. there will have been good points and bad points in all of them um and 
while there are occasions when something really obviously negative happens, it can also be really, really small things that have a massive impact on mm-hmm. what we've been speaking about already, people's identities and their value systems. And I think um, not to kind of minimise the impact or the importance of those high level trauma situations, but there's lots of different ways that people can be affected. And I think there's overlaps there with with kind of some of the stuff you've discussed in the past, both kind of high level trauma and maybe some of the smaller scale stuff as well. I think it'd be interesting to hear kind of your insights on how different forms of trauma can, can have an impact on people. I think it, um, and that's such a good question. And I think for me, Anybody on their journey, wherever they are in their mental health journey, welcome to your journey. It's going to be, you're going to be amazing and you will survive. Um, But I think um, we have to, as you were saying, people are looking at it as a disability or that they will be able to easily pick this out when they will not be. Um, That we have to pay attention to the clues that we all give and leave when we feel ourselves about to go into a crisis or the things that people do when they're about to go into a crisis because there are signs we either have not been educated enough to pick up on them or we just assume they're being extra that day or we don't even feel like being dealing with it like they're crazy I just don't even have the time to deal with them today and so we walk away and then when things blow up we're like oh well, now we see the signs and now, oh, if I paid attention, I see that. And so I think we have to eliminate that um, that stereotype that it has to look a certain way when it, it looks like me and you. We look normal to outside mm. people. Well, you know, catch me on a bad day and I can be hell on wheels. And, <laughs> you know, you do, it doesn't look like how you how you think it should look. And I think we need to let go of the of what it should look like. And look for the clues that people live, that they leave and that they give, you know, because we do. There may be something that changes in our conversation, how we act, how we dress, how we talk, um, if we are if we're truly paying attention. But there are all different forms from, you know, our childhood to adulthood. For me, once I have understood some things about myself and this happened further along in the journey is I started to understand my triggers and what was going to you know, caused me to be upset or angry or feel a certain type of way. And once I was able to identify my triggers, then I was able to stop myself in the process of having a full blown panic attack or, you know, saying, you know, it's just not worth it. I'm just going to go to bed for the next three days and I'm just not going to think about it. And I'm not going to, you know, there's a I think there's a fine line for those of us who we have been, you know, we, we have the mental health history and I don't even know if you can say we've been cured, but we learned to deal with it and cope with it in such a different way that now I can grab myself and say, hey, Jojo, turn around and come back. Well, for those people who can't, uh, who do, who they don't understand their triggers yet, uh, we have to be careful and gentle and know that everything comes in a different, it comes in a different form. And like you said, it's the small things. It could have been something in their childhood uh, that they don't. And until you're in the moment, you don't realize that's what it is. Like Mm -hmm. for me, I hate people yelling. You cannot yell at me. I can't handle that. I don't like for people to yell and scream at me. That's something I can't handle. I can't handle loud noises, like sudden movements. I don't do well. You know, I don't do well with those things. 
And so I take it upon myself to educate people. If I'm going to be in a relationship with you and I say, hey, listen, my ex-husband did this, this and this. So what I can't handle is if I'm in the shower and you make a loud noise. I'm going to come out swinging with a golf club because I think somebody's coming in to try to kill me. <laughs> I'm going to 10,000 instantly. I'm ready to fight. And so I can't handle that. If we're in an argument, I can't handle you calling me stupid and dumb because, you know, he kept me locked up in the room for two years. And that's all he said to me. So I, I take it upon myself to educate those who interact with me. And I don't do it in a weird way like. Let's have a conversation. Let me tell you my truth. <laughs> no, if it comes up, I say, hey, you know what? I don't do very well with in this situation. So, you know, this is just fair warning. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go home. I'm going to mm. have a Pepsi on the rocks. I'm going to eat some chocolate. And my favorite movie is um, I have two. It is Twister and what's the yellow brick road? Dorothy. Oh, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. I'm going to go watch those two movies in a row, possibly for the rest of the day. Don't call me. I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm just going to eat chocolate, drink Pepsi, and watch these movies. And I promise I'm going to feel better tomorrow. But I'm just letting you know. And people look at me like, JoJo, you are crazy. Like, no, I'm educating you. <laughs> this, is, this is a teaching moment. I just, want, I just want to teach you something that I can't have, you know. And mm. as I've grown over the years, it doesn't happen as often or if it does happen, I can be like, oh, OK, they, they didn't mean it or, you know, it, it wasn't that way. But I know my triggers and I know how to treat myself. I mean, if I feel that way, OK, Jojo, it's OK. Take a deep breath. You're not going to die today. You can eat chocolate and Pepsi and all will be right with the world. Watch your two movies and tomorrow you get to start, you know, again. Mm. But I, I, I definitely think it comes in different forms. We just have to be aware of it. And not, and if somebody brings it to us, not dismiss it. Because how many times have we done that? You know. I think yeah, it's really interesting you kind of bring that up because I think of it as a it prompts a couple of things in my mind. And when you say about kind of not ignoring it, I think of um, there's uh, part of this training uh, I do at work, and it's around like not dismissing people's point of view. Mm-hmm um and there's like a list of these things and you're like well yeah obviously I wouldn't do any of those things <laughs> and then you sort of think about it and one of them was like not dismissing someone's point of view and um I remember thinking we were getting into a discussion and I was like actually there are times when quite a lot of us including me do this and they were talking about when someone says like uh, I I feel like I don't look good in this outfit or I'm not very good at my job mm-hmm. what would your response be <laughs> it's like <laughs> no you're really good at your job or no you look great in that and they're like you've just instantly dismissed what their opinion is <laughs> and they said it comes it comes from wanting to support it comes from wanting to love and that's great but you need to realize they voiced an opinion and your instant reaction has been to say no and it was just really some of those and that's it for me that's the difference between when we say kind of awareness and education that to me was a point of education of going okay there are things that we do that come from wanting to support but actually aren't particularly helpful or beneficial in terms of supporting someone and like you say I think I've definitely had times when I feel like um there is a a a bit of a 
I'd say a roughness around some of the conversations where I have kind of like you mentioned you get to the point where you're like I I've had enough time with you people yeah. <laughs> or we've got to the point where I'm I'm happy to go yeah. um, you're about to do something that I don't really want to mm-hmm. and I think when I have voiced my opinion in those situations it can sometimes seem a bit abrupt yeah. and I think that's something I'm still trying to work on <laughs> but uh, not very much but I think it's because we're just not used to people voicing that kind of personal preference um, of saying look it's been really nice to, to kind of spend this time together but I've now got to this stage that I just need like a mental break so it might only be whatever o'clock but that's going to be the end of my evening or to do this. And I think I've had it particularly around um, some stuff with COVID earlier in the year where I've arranged to meet sort of two or three friends outside. Mm -hmm. And then we've been there for an hour or two. And then they said, oh, we now they wanted to go inside to the wherever we were, like a cafe or a pub, which we could do at the time. But I wasn't comfortable with that. So I was like, oh, no, that's fine. But if you're going to go inside, then I'll probably make a move. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have been fine with that because we'd already had we'd had a, a period of time together that'd been nice. Um, and if they wanted to go inside, I could completely understand the weather had started to change. It was colder. It definitely was colder. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they want to go inside, that's fine. But I felt comfortable enough to say, actually, I'm not I'm not going to do that. So I'm happy to leave. Mm-hmm. And that did feel a little bit awkward. Now that's a COVID thing. That's not a mental health thing. But I felt mm-hmm. a lot of overlaps there with if you've got to a stage where you're like actually no I'm I'm comfortable in this setting but I don't want to go into that I don't know busier place larger place Mm -hmm. somewhere I don't feel as comfortable or safe and I think it's it's again trying not to say awareness it's trying to educate people around that some people will have those um, preferences or needs Mm -hmm. and also how we react to that I think it can be really difficult not to be dismissive um in the way that I think I would love to say I never am but I probably still am sometimes mm-hmm. um and kind of how that that kind of comes across but I don't know if you've got any thoughts around that particularly being dismissive I think is something um, that really stands out for me oh yeah uh, I, I am that way and I call it peopling when okay. I people enough for the day uh, I have to I know my limitations like if I've been out with people all day I, about six o'clock, I'm about I'm about done. I don't I don't want to talk anymore. And I'm a talker by nature. I can talk your ears off. But when I know I have reached my people point, uh, I'm okay. I've gotten to the point now where I can say, Hey y'all, like you said, I'm, I'm just I'm not going to time out for me. I'm going to go back and I'm going to rest. I'm going to take a nap. I guess something. Because before I would just lie. I'd be like, Oh God, no, y'all, I'm tired. Or I would lie and go anyway, and I would be miserable as hell. Like, I would be like, oh, my God, I don't even. They were my best friends two hours ago now. I don't even know why they're humans. Why are they here? Why are they talking to me? Why am I talking? Like, I'm having a whole inner conversation. Had I just did what I wanted to do and go home <laughs> because I've reached my people limit for today, then in, in so sometimes you have to know your limits. And I was forcing myself But um, you touched on something I want to talk about is like when you said you didn't want to go inside the pub is uh, you felt some type of way. We shouldn't shame people for them understanding their limits. 
Mm-hmm. Like people shouldn't shame me because I've reached my people limit. My mm. family now, in the beginning, they gave me so much trouble. I would text them, but like, I'm not talking all weekend. Like, you can call the kids and they would tell you I'm okay, but I'm not talking. And I physically would not part my lips to say any words for a whole weekend. Oh my God, here go JoJo with her crazy stuff. And I figured out that that was part of my self love and my self care time is I put out everything to everybody because, you know, I. I'm a I'm a people person, so I feel what you feel and I, I'm all into the conversation. So if you're sad, I'm gonna be sad with you. You know, if you're mad, let's go fight. I'm ready for all the things. Well, I've got to now go back and replenish myself. And I in the beginning people would shame me and I would allow them to shame me for that. I would feel bad for like, oh, maybe they right. Maybe mm. I, I could stay longer, maybe I could go in there. Well, no, Jojo, you don't want to. Listen to yourself. And I had to on this journey. And I think everybody, you come to a spot where you get to this place where you begin to trust the knower in you. Like your body knows what to do to protect you from what's getting ready to happen next. Your body knows when it says, hey, Jojo, you reached your limit. You need to respect that and listen to it and be like, "Okay," And then don't feel any shame behind it. I can be a better friend. I can change the world. I can save all the people. I can put the S on my chest when I can serve from my overflow, when I have had my mental time to restore myself and, you know, to get back to me and to relax. And then I can go back out. I can't serve or help anybody. I can't educate you. I can even take care of myself if I'm depleted. And so I don't think we should shame people. I don't think we should feel ashamed um, Mm. for understanding our limits. And, you know, that comes with time on the journey where you begin to trust yourself with that and and you know what you because there have been a time where I would have forced myself and then I would have beat myself up while I was sitting there like I know I didn't want to come in here I don't smoke I don't drink we're in this club the music is loud I don't like I hated every aspect of it but if you saw me I was grinning and laughing and I, but I was shamed into going oh you always want to go home you're such a nerd you always want to do this And I I learned not to allow people to give me. And more importantly, I learned what titles I don't have to carry. Just because you told me that I don't have to carry that title. You can Mm -hmm. have it. I don't want it. And I and I stopped carrying names. Oh, Jojo, you're a nerd. Oh, Jojo, you're this. No, no, thank you. I don't want that. (laughs) I don't want that title. I don't want to participate with that word. And I chose not to pick up those words. That was some life changing things for me. When people would say words to me and I didn't like them, I didn't pick them up. And sometimes we pick them up and carry them home with us. And we look at them and we play with the words and we run them through our heads and you wear them the next day and the next day. And it's hell getting those words off your shoulders and out of your head. Now I can say, oh, I don't I don't like how those words sound. So no, thank you. I don't want that. (laughs) And be okay with saying it. People look at me like, why? What did you just say? I don't want that word. <laughs> Can you pick another one? <laughs> but it, let me tell you, I feel so much better. At the end of the day, they respect me and I respect myself more importantly. I think that's a a, a really nice kind of point to, to start to um, round up. We're coming towards six o'clock, aren't we? So it is the end of your people time. Um <laughs> Yeah, I I think there's I guess there's both sides to that that journey of of realizing we're 
we're kind of going on that we're learning about ourselves and the the kind of the new I'm almost cautious about preferences I feel like there's a bit too much choice involved in a preference but kind of preferences and needs that we have around our our kind of self-preservation um and I sometimes think that there is there's lots of different reasons I guess why people are apprehensive or, or dismissive of that sometimes because they've not been on a similar journey they've not had those opportunities to have those insights or um they don't feel comfortable enough to ask you about why you have had that journey mm-hmm. um and I think there there's quite a lot in there and I think it is it's it's hard to get across to people but actually there's a huge amount of um of power of respect of bravery in being able to say that this is what I I this is what I need this is what I want and this is is what I'm going to do mm-hmm. um and for the most part I would say very very rarely do I ever hear someone say that they need someone else to do something for them it's mm-hmm. just all we all you want is either someone to listen or just accept that you're you are going to do something it's so so very rarely does anyone say what I need is I need someone else to go and do this it's never that um (laughs) so yeah for the most part it really is it really is just just if there are people around you that you're trying to support it is just listening to them it is just respecting their point of view you you Mm. don't have to agree with it you don't have to have the same insights i think that's uh becoming something that's particularly rare for us to have regardless of mental health <laughs> yeah um <laughs> so there are it's enough so other hard. things that we've got to disagree on um but yeah I think it's it's been really interesting to talk through kind of a few different things today and really follow up on on some of the stuff we didn't quite get to to last time um you're you're doing so many different things um so if people wanted to find out a little bit more about you jojo or or, um kind of get involved with some of the the streaming stuff that we mentioned earlier where are some of the places that they can go to to find out about you so uh of course i'm the i promise yan mitra is such a unique name there's only one of me out there so i'm on facebook um so you can catch me um 7:15. What would 7:15 a.m. Eastern time? What time would that be for you? That'd be oh, late at I think night. I feel like you've already learned. We don't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you're asking that question. Times <laughs> at the time, so people, good I luck think... on that one. <laughs> but you can always watch the replay. So uh, I'm, I'm on Facebook. Am, I'm six o'clock right now. So what are you at the moment? It's tw- it's one o'clock here. So. Five With hours ahead. Um, five, one, one, two, one, twelve, seven, ten, nine, eight, seven. So five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, it's been it's been early in the morning for you. <laughs> I had to, no, it'd be like one one in the afternoon for you, and it's seven fifteen for me. So it'd been like one in the afternoon for oh, you guys. Okay. Okay. Education, hard at work. I promise. <laughs> Your brain won't work. So they can uh, catch me on the Fearless Morning Show, of course, at livepastcrazy.com. And then I am doing a mindset challenge for the month of December. So they can text motivation, the word motivation to 33777 um, to be included in that. But I don't know how that works overseas. Uh, from, but we'll try try it and see and let me know how that works. Yeah, uh, imagine it's, it'd probably just be uh, international dialing code plus that number. Yeah. I think um, we we have a uh, we have a mindset challenge coming up because I'm just a firm believer that 
you know, if I share my journey that hopefully it will help someone they can. And my, my thing is take what you need, leave what you don't. Uh, and if it helps you share it with somebody else. And that, that's the only requirement I think is don't once you learn something, don't be an information hoarder. Share it with someone else who may need it just as badly as you do. Like you said, it's all education. You know, mm-hmm. they may not know they needed to be educated. And they do. And you're the person to educate them on that topic. So uh, I'm excited. I always have a good time. I, I now have a friend. So uh, I'm excited. I, I enjoy our conversations. They go by so quick. I know. I don't, like the, the idea that we've been we've been talking for over an hour. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, I do. I, I just started. I feel, I feel like even with the briefest of notes, we yeah. I think we've done very well to we've pretty much stuck on topic. <laughs> but I think um, really <laughs> that has definitely only happened because we'd already had the first conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can um, kind of uh, maybe touch base again early parts of next year and kind of see see how you're going I think we've got um a, a range of different guests coming through at the moment and it's really interesting to kind of hear all the different stories yeah. um and those experiences that are going on but then um where you're kind of also involved with that live streaming aspect I think there's a really nice element that probably be a good thing to reflect on yeah. after um or towards the end of the winter period I think they're um online support is going to be a massive thing i think who knows there seems to be positive sort of messages around vaccines and things like that with covid but i think the reality is as we've spoken earlier on today it's great having that long-term vision but we're working on today (laughs) so we're working on today and then with the holidays coming up too yeah i think you know a lot of people uh, get depressed during the holidays Mm. never mind adding a pandemic on top of it so you know, I just think it's important that it's okay to seek help, but there's so many 1-800 numbers. You're, um, here in America, so you call your EPA line where mm-hmm. you can call and they give you like uh, four free sessions with the mental health therapist. And mm-hmm. you tell them your zip code and they find one for you. Mine, literally, I walked to her. That's how close she is oh, to my wow. home. It takes me, it's a six minute walk. Never knew it. I, I eat at Burger King in front of her office all the time. <laughs> Never knew she was enough. <laughs> As I'm drowning my sorrows in whoppers and fries, she's looking at me through the window. Never knew it. <laughs> so, <laughs> take advantage of that. <laughs> I do feel like we've had a very, we've had low, very insightful, very educational conversation points for the, over the last well two hours, including the last call. And I'm not going to lie, the thing I might leave this conversation with <laughs> is the image of you <laughs> in a Burger King opposite. <laughs> I'm eating a whopper, looking at her office. Never thinking, God, I need somebody to talk to, and she's sitting there looking at me. Oh, dear so. me. Wow, so on on to all of that. <laughs> don't be that, like Jojo. Don't the, don't be like me. <laughs> the most joyous of occasions. I will um the next time I get to go to Burger King, I will think of you. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad I can leave you with some happy memories. Oh, yeah. so. It's lovely. Thank you so much for coming back on again, Jojo. And like I said, it'd be really interesting if we can uh, arrange a time 
next year to to catch up again that would be great of course, I love it. And thank you so much for having me and, of course, providing a space for everybody to come and listen and, listen and learn. And hopefully, you know, I, I, I am a subscriber now, so I, I'm listening and learning as well, too. So I oh. think we all have to stay in that continuous learning cycle. Mm, definitely. Cool. Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you again in the not too distant future. All right. Have a good one. You too. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realize how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it.